I love that music. Oh, yeah. And I love talking on this podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. I, I almost stumbled backwards into, like, some whole other thing. But you, like, went in with I, a I'm lot here. of energy and, like, immediately crashed into it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're here to do a fucking speed. <laughs> we're here to it. talk about Speed Racer here on the Waffle Press Retrospective. Again, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Caringo. Hey. I don't know why these intros, I have such trouble with them. I do them every week. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I tried doing an intro once on another show, and it I, I get it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's hard to go from just like casually talking to being like, hey, people. Like, it's a <laughs> weird shift. Yeah, I don't know how people do like personality stuff on here. Like Sometimes people are very different from how you hear them on the radio mm. or something. I, I this is just how I talk. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I can't I can't put on like a facade. I'm, this is just me. I'm definitely playing up who I am, but this is my voice. Like yeah. I'm not uh Hey fellas, what's going on? Hey. God, that just seems exhausting. Yeah, I mean that's why they're always drinking coffee and stuff. I guess. You know what else is exhausting? You gotta guess. <laughs> I don't I was waiting for you. No, no, you're supposed to guess. No, I didn't have anything this time. Oh, okay. Because I'm exhausted. Oh, from watching this film? No, just from life in general, but this film definitely didn't help. Speed Racer, the sports action comedy film written and directed by the Wachowski sisters. You read that uh, off the Wikipedia. <laughs> I sure did. Sometimes I, I go to, to simple places for a little bit of guidance. I'm like, I have a lot of notes that are not from the Wikipedia uh, I'm like, that I want to talk about this film with. Who, would, who the hell would describe Speed Racer as a sports action comedy film? And then I look down on the wiki, wiki and it's right there. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, it's, I mean, it, it is those things, but it's not how you would describe it as a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very visually busy film. I think it was outright rejected. <laughs> this is the failed blockbuster podcast, of course. Um, this came out in 2008, the same summer as The Dark Knight. It's yeah. Dark Knight hit two months after this. It is sandwiched between Iron Man and the Dark Knight. If I remember correctly. Um, or did Iron Man come out like right after this? It might have it come out. I, I'm not going to check. I don't care. It, but yeah, Iron Man it, is a week before this movie. Oh. Yeah, which might have uh, contributed to things. Oh. Joel Silver sitting there being like, no one's going to watch a fucking Iron Man movie. Oh, <laughs> Joel Denny Silver. Jr. He's washed up. <laughs> fucking no one likes him. He'll never, he's too fucking, he's, he's, oh. he's done in Hollywood. And John, oh, Joel. John Favreau, he's a hack. He did that fucking Zathura movie and it bombed. And let's, Joel Silver. Let's Thank you for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, though. Yeah. Another and, like, bomb. literally all your other action films from the 90s. 
He had a run, and then, like, is he the guy that, like, now everyone's talking about him being a maniac, or is that someone else? Um, I, I couldn't tell you, but he is. Mm. I mean, he definitely was. Um, but, he, you know, he also, like, produced the nice guys and stuff, and he's the reason Shane Black had even a career comeback at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you take the wins where you can get them. Uh, also instrumental in building up the Wachowskis' careers as a whole, you know. Well, his last produced film was Suburbicon. Remember Suburbicon? I do. The Coens almost directed that. Well, it's, it's, that's a weird one where the Coen brothers wrote Suburbicon in, like, the 80s. And it was this script that was just kind of laying around. And somehow Clooney gets a hold of it, right? Well, because he's their buddy. Yeah, he's their buddy, but, like, I don't know, like... The Coen Brothers don't. I guess the Coen Brothers like don't didn't they like executive produce Bad Santa, so I guess they like throw a favor to people every now and then. <laughs> but then uh, Clooney rewrites the script with someone and adds all this stuff about. From what I, if I remember correctly, he adds all this stuff about like post World War II housing and like the racial tension involved in that where like a black family was moved into a white neighborhood and it like erupted into violence which is a true story that happened in uh, Levittown, Pennsylvania which was not in the Coen Brothers original script yeah and so it's like a weird Coen Brothers wacky crime film combined with a real story about uh, race relations in the United States uh, did not work. Yeah, when you watch the film, you could tell it's like, there's a lot going on here. And, you know, I bet someone could make that work mm-hmm. if they weren't George Clooney. Yeah. I'm so, I, I like George Clooney. Not not a fantastic director. Although I like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I like Good Night and Good um, Luck. Oh, yeah, 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 that one too. But he's got but this like, weird thing where he's definitely like... This and The Monuments Man, which might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, I, I don't know about that, but that movie's a total bore. It's, but it's a disaster of, like, epic proportions. In a similar way to Suburbicon, where it was trying to be, like, kind of a wacky war comedy. But then, like, it's, like we'll, we'll stop and get serious about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And it's like, George, you do not know how to marry these two things. And it didn't work in Monuments Men, and then he just doubled down with Suburbicon. <laughs> and I don't know that urge where it's like, my movie has to be about some something real, which feels like a weird George Clooney urge. It, it does. Did you see his uh, his film Midnight Sky? I saw part of it. Yeah, like, I, again, I don't even, like, hate it. It's just kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Is it? But I, I got a soft spot for him. Yeah. I mean, he's like one of our greatest leading men. You know, he was one of like the last movie stars. And I don't know. I don't know if he still has that pull anymore. But he had it for a while. Yeah, I, I think he's just interested in like directing now, primarily mm-hmm. at least. But he won um, an Oscar. I don't know. For producing I, Argo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him. You know. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. Yeah. He's... Um, but I, I'm not rooting for Joel Silver. Oh, yes. Um, no one is. Um, man, it's weird that people like him were just running around Hollywood for years. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, he, yeah. he produced Orphan. Remember that movie? 
orphan fucking rules. Yeah, very strange film. <laughs> um, no, no, it is. Like, it's insane that it exists, and it was, like, a profitable and marketable horror film. And got good re- and, reviews from, like, Roger Ebert. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's crazy entertaining, but please understand that it is, like, trash. Oh, yeah. It's pure trash, and it's just, like, it's so fun to watch people's reaction to that film for the first time. Yes. So please, show that to your friends if you have seen it, and if you haven't seen it... Fucking DiCaprio produced that. DiCaprio produces weird stuff. Did he produce Speed Racer? No, he did not. What did he... Pro- he produced, like, something popular. Uh, no, never mind. I was gonna say World War Z, but Brad Pitt got, got that Yeah, one, Brad right? Pitt had World War Z, and then... Fucking... How did that sequel fall apart? Like, like... Let, David Fincher. Yeah, what the fuck is Fincher's deal, man? Uh, he... he He's probably just kind of difficult. Uh, yeah, but like, I don't know. What is he asking? <laughs> like, because he's like he's makes he makes profitable films. Yeah, it's not like David Fincher like makes bombs every time he gets like a big budget. I promise we'll talk about Speed Racer, and this is going to be kind of how I segue into this right now. But think about it this way: like, um, that that one director, that indie filmmaker, who who. Oh God! What did he do? Primer, and oh yeah, quite frankly, like brilliant film. He followed that up with, and then he can never get work, and everyone's like, "God, what a tragedy!" And then you find out he's like just a horrible asshole, mm-hmm. a horrible, horrible asshole who thankfully will probably never work in Hollywood again. Yeah, um, because no one wanted to work with him because he was such an asshole, and I. Th- I'm not saying David Fincher is an asshole to that extent, but I I, I bet he's kind of difficult. I've heard he's difficult. Like, I've definitely heard that, but you haven't heard stories about him being, like, a monster. You know? No, no, like, yeah, yeah. Shane, Car- but, Shane like, Carruth at, at a certain point, ended up being a you... monster, kind of. Yeah, there you go. Thank like, you. Uh, and... Um, and I'm not saying, saying David Fincher's, like, a monster, but I, I bet that... At a certain point, you just can't find people who want to, like, work with you on stuff, you know, at these big companies. And that's why Netflix basically gives them carte blanche. Yeah. But even know? then, like, fucking, uh, the sh- that, that show he's producing is just over. Um, what do you call it? Mindhunter? Mindhunter? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. it just stopped. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but I bring that up because the Wachowskis... Uh, have not had a a run of critical or box office successes in a long time, mm-hmm. and people still like to work with them. Yeah, they uh, which which is so fascinating to me. They they have one of the strangest careers <laughs> mm-hmm. of just, and I guess it's what happens when you make the Matrix. Like you're just gonna keep getting big budget movies <laughs> for. Like, way longer than any other director would be given. Like, because mm-hmm. there, there are just not just like bombs, but like catastrophic bombs almost. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so strange. And like, it's weird how everyone just turned on them. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. I mean, after the Matrix sequels, everyone just turned oh, on them. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I don't... See, I'm I'm already thinking ahead to like now because there's been a lot of like reclamation yeah. of their work for sure, and we'll talk about that in regards to Speed Racer, which again I promise we are here to talk about. Um, but yeah, 
this Speed Racer was outright rejected. rejected. The Matrix sequels got less and less critical like praise as they went on. Uh, it it's it's a very colorful film. It's a very viscerally exciting film. Matt Garingo, is it a good film? Speed Racer. Yeah. Oh, it's the fucking best film ever made. <laughs> okay. I, I was teeing you up for that. I'm glad we agreed. Yeah. yeah Speed, uh, Speed Racer is fucking fantastic. Speed Racer is... hesitant, it's because we were talking about other stuff around the film. But Speed Racer is... It's possibly effervescent. the Wachowskis' masterpiece. <laughs> oh, and, okay. We're going there and, already. And it's, it's, that's something to say, considering they do have uh, The Matrix under their belt, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I rewatched Jupiter Ascending recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, fuck, this... You know, it's got its problems, but, like, there's just so much passion yeah. and, like, excitement in their filmmaking, and... Was Jupiter I, Ascending, like, didn't that have, like, massive reshoots? I think so, but they, they also spent a lot of time in post-production because the effects on that mm. are out of this oh, yeah, world good. They're, they're definitely, that, that's a thing, I think, that kind of maybe held them back a little bit, is that they are directors that are insistent on, like, changing the game every time they do a special effects movie. Mm-hmm. Um... That was one where, like, this is how fucking stupid I am. Like, I'm all in on the Wachowskis, like, through Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas. Like, I love both those movies. And then Jupiter Ascending was coming out. I heard they were massive reshoots, and I I heard it got negative reviews, and for whatever reason, I didn't see it in theaters. And, like, I'm like, when I look back, and I saw it, like, as soon as it hit home video, and I'm just like... Why the fuck didn't I see this in theaters? <laughs> like, why did I trust people? Like, of course no one liked this. And it's great. But it was that thing. I think when I heard it was the reshoots, I just kind of, like, made the leap, like, oh, they, they got the movie taken away from them. You know? That's mm-hmm. what I just kind of assumed happened. And then when I finally watched it, I'm like, no, this is pretty, this is still solid for what it is. And it uh, should have gotten a sequel, but alas. Yeah. And, like, now projects like that just go to Netflix or, like, Apple TV, I yeah, guess. and look like balls. <laughs> um, Apple TV has this new show that's probably, I think it's coming out, like, the same time this episode will go up. And it, like, I don't know if the show's going to be good, but it looks, like, stunning what, what, for a TV budget. What is the like, show? Foundation, I think it's called. Oh, the, oh, the, I, the, the Asimov? adaptation i think so yeah all yeah. right i i've barely been paying attention to it because uh, i just saw the trailer like skimming through my timeline on twitter and i was like whoa <laughs> like it really caught me off guard because i've been a big not proponent because i i love tv and film but like i definitely think tv is a little bit behind when it comes to the visual yeah. storytelling aspect and so that that's why that one just caught me off every now and then you get a show like hannibal but it's it's rare <laughs> yeah yeah and like again different mediums different focus not a problem but i i, I just bring it up because it really like mm-hmm. swept me off my feet I'm so just, i hope it's good i hope it's good i just assume like you can't adapt foundation like, mm. it would need to be perfect. I have no preconceived notions of it, so it, I'll, I'll be going in blind. It's weird because, you know, Asimov was a strange dude. And, like, didn't, you know, that era of science fiction writers, they couldn't really write stories, <laughs> but they could write, like, really interesting ideas. Yeah, and, and, like, concepts and stuff like that. And flesh them out. And 
So you, you really need, like, a perfect script. It's kind of like the Harlan Ellison script for iRobot, which was, like, an impossible script to film. And, yeah, it's... I don't know. So, like, I just haven't been paying attention. I also think... Uh, this will be hard to explain if you haven't seen Foundation, but this is a weird climate to do a Foundation adaptation in. <laughs> mm. so if you know the story of Foundation. Um, so I just assumed it was going to be like Westworld, which I hate <laughs> with like a passion. <laughs> I remember. Yes. Who likes that show? I don't think anyone does anymore, but people liked it at the beginning. I liked the first season, and then I was like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just never went back. It, it so. asked the difficult question, um, what if Westworld was as boring as fucking possible? Boo. <laughs> but speaking of adaptation, Speed Racer, it's an adaptation not boring. of... Not boring, but an adaptation of the anime series, which I'm actually very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Were you? Um, I saw it as a child. Like, I don't remember a ton of it. Uh, it was just because it was one of those things where it was just on Cartoon Network all the time. It was on Cartoon Network, and my parents loved it. Mm-hmm. My dad and loved so, Speed Racer. So. Yeah, when I would uh, go to Hollywood Video, I wasn't a Blockbuster family, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood Video to rent stuff for the weekend or whatever after school with my parents. I would rent like dinosaur-related stuff, mm-hmm. the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, <laughs> and Speed Racer. Those were like my go-tos. Wow. Very rarely did I get something new. Were you only at the time. were you only able to get one movie at a time? Yeah. Did you ever du- did you ever learn to double dip with your parents though? Like to to beg to get two. Well, no. Yes. What you do is you get them to pick a movie that they would like, but you also want to see it. So uh, their okay. one movie is something else, and then you can go pick something that only you will like. I probably did. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. I did, I did that. You know, because kids are like little psychopaths. Yeah. I probably did. <laughs> I did that so. all the fucking time. Yeah. That was how I just watched so many movies. Um, but it, I think it's important to note, I know I don't know a ton about like Speed Racer's history, but mm-hmm. th- this movie is very much more an adaptation of the American translation of Speed Racer. <laughs> mm. Because, like, Speed Racer is not named Speed Racer in Japan. <laughs> no. Do you know the name? No. Uh, I think it's... Isn't it, like, Mafune or something like that? Like... Mach Go Go Go. Oh, okay. That's and his it was name? part of the, the Shonen Jump stuff. Or not Shonen Jump, but, like, the Shonen yeah. comics that they, they kind of serialize, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically... For people that don't know, Shonen is, like... They're DC or Marvel labels for stuff over there. Oh, well, you're, you're a little off. It's His name is Go Mifune. I knew I was right about the Mifune thing. Oh, excuse me. I, I just knew Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> like, well, the, the, the media franchise of Speed Racer is known as Mach Go Go Go. Yeah, and isn't uh, isn't that like a Japanese pun? <laughs> like Probably is. Yeah, it's like Yu Yu Hakusho where it's a pun that doesn't totally translate. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, so it's it's this weird thing where it's more based on the American translation than it is the uh, original Japanese anime. From what I understand, I don't know a ton about it, but I did grow up watching it. I have very vague memories. That song is in my head forever. I know the basic beats of the show. I haven't watched it in forever. Oh, yeah, uh, no. I, I have not seen anything from it in a long long time here's the question did you see this in theaters i did hey 
I didn't like it when I first saw it. Oh, you coward. Anyway, yeah. let me tell my story of seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I said, my dad was a fan of it. So this was the weird thing where this, like, this is grim looking back. But um, I believe, <laughs> okay. I believe the trailer for it premiered at the same Comic Con that was hyping up Iron Man and uh, the Dark Knight, which are two like of like the most successful Comic Con marketing schemes ever. <laughs> like the Iron Man trailer was just like. It was viral in, like, the early days of viral content, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you had to get, like, bootleg footage of it because they weren't releasing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the Dark Knight trailer was just that teaser where you just hear talking. But they had that weird, like... Remember they handed out a bunch of money with Joker faces on it? Do you remember this? Not... I don't remember that. We talked about it in our Dark Knight episode yeah. where I also gave my controversial take that I thought the Iron Man trailers sucked. <laughs> so so I was not looking forward to that movie. All right. So I was in a weird place just at the time yeah. just to reset the table. Go but ahead. it was just like that That was like it turned into like this really great viral marketing thing for the Dark Knight. And then in the middle of it, you get the Speed Racer trailer, which if – I remember correctly, I, I don't think I was aware a Speed Racer movie was even coming until that trailer dropped. And I remember watching it and just, like, immediately, like, being knocked, like, back with, like, the colors of it. And it just looked amazing. And I'm also like, holy shit, John Goodman is Pops Racer. That's perfect. And I, like, immediately show my dad and I'm like, they're doing Speed Racer! <laughs> and was really excited. Uh, I... I believe we saw it, like, opening weekend in a barely, like, full theater. Like, no one was there. <laughs> it was it was mostly empty. I saw it. I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it, though. And I was like, wow, that was fun. And, like, as soon as the lights went out, my dad was like, well, that sucked. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then I went online, and this movie was just being savaged. Like, people hated this movie. And it was the first time, and this is like 2008, so I've talked about this time in my life where, like, this is the first time I think I'm kind of being more grown up. Like, I made the joke where I'm like, now I'm only into hardcore adult things like Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is the year Avatar Last Airbender ends, and, like, I basically stopped watching cartoons. And... I allowed the pressure of the peer pressure of people hating this movie to infect me. And I just started saying, yeah, that movie sucked, even though I didn't really believe it. And I, I, I allowed, I gave into the peer pressure for years and then just kept kind of kept like quietly watching it. Like every time it was on, I would watch it, but then I would kind of go like, yeah, bad movie. Even though I'm not really believing it. I don't know at, at what point I just turned around and just went like, no, that's one of the fucking best movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wasn't feeling at the time, but like I liked it when I saw it. And I allowed myself to be like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe that movie did suck. And uh, yeah, I, f- I feel very guilty about that. I guess it's when Cloud Atlas came out, I finally just went like, no, nah, that was a good movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you didn't like it, you little shit. 
I was very much in. We, we talked about the post Avatar Last Airbender phase of like, oh, Dark Knight. That's gonna be the fucking shit. That's a real movie. That's a serious movie. You know, mm-hmm. like, this is the the fun movies are for kids. Serious movies are for. I watch The Godfather every Thanksgiving, and I still kind of do. Mm-hmm. But now it's like just because I like it, you know, yeah. not because of like some obligation to be more mature or you're whatever. Trying to like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like no. I just I like those movies, and they play them on AMC every Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> It's a fun tradition. Um, and I I was like, nah, what, what was that? Garbage, whatever. <laughs> the, the, the Wachowskis have lost it, you know? I guess here's the other question. And, uh, what was the, what were the Matrix sequels to you at that point? Oh, they were misfires for sure. Okay. Yeah, um, I liked the action, but I was like, I don't think they worked. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't get them uh, like I do now. Matrix sequels were uh, R-rated. Did you see them in theaters? No, 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 no. I, I didn't see any of the Matrixes in theaters. Guess I, uh... whose first R-rated movie was The Matrix Reloaded? <laughs> Holy fuck! Did you see the first one before? <laughs> no, I. I mean, I had seen it on DVD. That was the. F- oh, okay. Because I, I was like, if you just get thrown into that, yeah. <laughs> like... Well, I've talked about the Matrix being the first DVD we owned. And so okay, that gave that okay. movie like a special quality to it, and that was the mm-hmm. DVD my dad bought. Even though he said he saw The Matrix in theaters and didn't like it, but thought it would be a cool movie to own on DVD, and then rewatched it and went like, "No, this movie's actually good." Um, so we were all in on Matrix Reloaded, and my dad was like, "Yeah, I guess that'll be fine to see in theaters." Uh, massive sex orgy in that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think I talked about this before too, but like the first times, um, like my dad and I would like when he was teaching me to barbecue in middle school. After Rise of the Machines came out on DVD, we went to a local video store in Montebello, California, where he lived, mm. um, and we rented all three Terminators. We did that for a day, and then like later, like a I don't know, however many years later that was, when all the Matrix stuff came out. I think Rise of the Machines and the Matrix sequels came out the same year, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, they did. And and so we did that for the Matrix films. Okay. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah, the first one was really good, and the other ones were cool, but, like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about them the same way I do now, for sure. Yeah. And going into Speed Racer, I, I was just like, oh, friends, we're going to hang out and maybe head to the theaters under the influence. <laughs> and I, I just I didn't really care for it. Um and I don't know when I, I turned more positive on it, too. Definitely reading more stuff online helped me yeah. appreciate stuff more, you know? And I have to be honest, I think because of, I guess, like, my my attempt at cynicism at a stupid <laughs> young age and, like, where I am now with it, I'm glad I could have this, like, growth with Speed Racer because it's such a film that is so, like, emotionally honest about what it wants to share with the audience. Yes. That it makes me feel better when I'm watching it, and I feel like it wants me to be better, if that makes any sense. (laughs) I get it. No, I get what you're saying. (laughs) Well, to piggyback off of your, uh, like, your growth comment, like, I want to stress, like, I'm not trying to act like I was ahead of the curve by being, like, I like Speed Racer when it came out. I liked it in the way that, like... I I have a soft spot for, like, kids' films I saw of that era. Like, that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And, and also, let's be real, that does make you, just even that alone, that does make you ahead of the curve of a lot of okay, people okay. with this movie. Like, I think I was yeah. just, I was trying not to admit that I still liked 
the fucking Scooby-Doo movie or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. That, like, you're always going to have, like, a weird nostalgia for stuff like that, even if it's not perfect. And even if you watch it now and it's like, that didn't age really well. Um, so I kind of just, I approached Speed Racer in that way at the time. And the way I approach it now is that the last time I watched this before doing it for the show, uh, when it got to the ending, I I burst into tears <laughs> while it's watching it. so moving. I know, and it fucking, it's a movie called Speed Racer with a main character named Speed Racer. <laughs> and he just happens to love driving cars. Um, I, I called it a sports action comedy film because that's what it said in the Wikipedia. And I'll argue that it does fit the bill of specifically a sports action movie. Comedy, it's, it's a very funny film too, but like with the sports film, you know, like Rocky, like it's more than just about boxing. It's about can you go the distance. Yeah. With the driving film, you know, we, you and I have talked about Ford v. Ferrari, mm-hmm. which is like a solid film, but it, it's an interesting insight into how Mangold is literally wrestling, he, how he feels about wrestling inside the, the industry, yeah. about trying to get projects he's passionate about made, and it's very represented in the film with that conflict, even though it's a biopic. And I think Speed Racer does the same thing with the Wachowskis, kind of arguing for like, their own artistic integrity, not out of a place of like superiority, but just for a place where they can feel like passionate and like happy with who they are and what they want to do in life. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful film. It is. It's called speed racer. (laughs) Like this movie shouldn't be what it is. Like, no, quite frankly, no, like it's, it's really insane. It's like, it could totally be something where, you could watch a movie this earnest and be fucking pissed off about it, you know? Yeah, like, I know a lot of people are kind of irony-poisoned on Twitter.com, and so whenever people are like, oh, we all love Paddington 2, that's when the the needle starts to turn, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're like, well, I hate Paddington 2. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to like it, but if you're just reacting negatively to something that's overwhelmingly positive, maybe step away for a little bit. Or like Ted Lasso, a show that I started and I actually think is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very like positive enforcement show that a lot of people are now starting to turn on because it's it's a happy go lucky show. I think we're getting to a better point though because uh, I think something that's been great in this last week are all of the memes about the new M Night Shyamalan film Old, mm-hmm. where like you can tell some people are sharing those memes and being like, yeah, that movie's stupid. And then other people are sharing those memes going like, fuck yeah, that movie's stupid. Like, <laughs> people, like, love the movie old and are, like, and the people that love it and hate it are sharing the same memes about the movie. Yeah, yeah, that, that is nice to see that it's, like, it, it's not just uh, trending from negativity. It's, like, a, a place of earnestness. Because, you know, Shyamalan is also a very earnest filmmaker mm-hmm. and that sometimes works and that sometimes doesn't. Yeah. And, that, that's cool to see. He's another guy with a crazy arc of a career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Everyone's doing their Shyamalan reevaluations yeah. right now, and I'm over here like, I've always said mm. at least most of his stuff was good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just here to defend Lady in the Water <laughs> in the Shyamalan I know, pocket. I know. And I, I, I will not stand for this fucking reevaluation of the village. All y'all are fucking no. crazy. 
No, it, no. The the village is it, fucking it's, great. It's a garbage. I just of revisited a film. it last night. Literally last night. Yeah, it's so fucking good. And it's a garbage heap of you're out of, of your a goddamn trash mind. film. We are not. We are not debating this so right now. Boring and atrocious. And it's Look, not that fucking ending. Everyone's like, oh, you just couldn't handle the stupid ending. And it's like, yes, the ending's stupid, but the movie up to that point was also stupid. No, no. And I think people that hate the ending kind of missed I, the rest of the message I want, of the film. But fuck whatever. the message of that film. It, there's, it's, <laughs> I know. You said it's about white flight. I know. I remember. Yes, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's pure just stupid. It's not about grief. It's not about, oh, trying to control the chaotic universe of our lives, you fucking maniacs. I, 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 Speed Racer I want, is somewhat about the randomness. I want people randomness. defending that movie. I want to just get a supercut of just all of Adrian Brody scenes. No, and that's you, okay. I want you to make that the, that ar- those arguments while that's playing. And I'm just gonna. I didn't say it was perfect. And as, as you're talking, I'm just gonna slowly turn up the volume, <laughs> just and just stare at you and not. Break, I didn't say it was perfect. I said it was great. Contact. I'm just gonna slowly turn it up until it's deafening. <laughs> And then also you have to watch The Buried Secrets of M. Night Shyamalan. I will never watch that. Guess who owns it? You. <laughs> yeah. Got it from a closing California video. <laughs> if we ever do a Shyamalan retrospective, we gotta talk about The Buried Secrets of M. Night Shyamalan. I know, I know. Because that's like, I know. that's probably, uh, in a weird way, one of the most important films of his career. Hmm... What, That's okay. What a mistake. I don't think that... Uh, wh- why, but, like, here's the thing. I'm, 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 I'm having some fun here. If you like The Village, <laughs> fine. I'm lying. But, but, like, why did people turn on the Wachowskis? I've never really understood that. Where... Uh, no, I, I get it now, because I think Shyamalan had the same... Uh, although Shyamalan also has, like, the racism in the equation. Well, see, you know, there's like, that, but... F- for me, I think the thing, like, I was talking about Twitter the other night, like, people forget that Shyamalan kind of had his whole ass out at the time people turned on him, you know? He was giving... But I'd argue a lot of people didn't know that was the reason, you know? Because, you know, he has, he has a bit of an ego, but, like, whatever, a lot of our favorite directors yeah, but, do. Yeah, but that, right? that, his ego, in a way that is probably maybe exemplified in racism, went mainstream in a way it doesn't normally go mainstream for directors, where you were starting to hear about his ego before you heard about anything else, you know? And see, I I don't remember any of that. I, I learned about that later in my life, for sure. And, you know, not that I knew everything at the time, obviously, but we've talked about how you and I, like, watched, like, at the movies with mm-hmm. with Ebert and stuff like that. So I was a little more plugged in than, like, the average mm-hmm. viewer. And again, I missed that. So I, I just don't think that was that well known. I do think... The, the racism is the big factor, but I also think his films are very earnest, and that makes them easier targets. And I think that's why stuff like CinemaSins took off yeah. for a while, and uh, still taking off. Uh, we both like Red Letter Media, and, you know, sometimes they, they see stuff that's a little earnest, and they they take the knives out, and they poke at it a little yeah. bit. Um, and I think earnestness is very susceptible to harsher criticisms unfortunately and speed racer if anything is just like fully out in the open like here i am this is what i this is what i love 
but people, and then everyone was like, "It loves, kill it." I mean, it, we could talk about like people are reacting to the earnestness negatively. We could talk about that, but like I just remember, everyone had their knives out for like everything about this movie. Like the stories you heard about Speed Racer was that like critics screenings, like people were getting physically ill watching the movie because <laughs> it was so much. Like that, those were the stories in the air at the time, and that was. I remember a lot of the discussion being that that people just thought this movie looked horrible, which is insane <laughs> to say. Well, I think the standards of like when we think of like VFX and like CGI, you know, like I think this also pertains a little bit to video games, where the discussions on games were becoming less about gameplay, more about like look what the graphics can do. Those are such realistic graphics. Yeah. And that doesn't inherently mean anything besides, like, we know how to make things look more realistic. Mm -hmm. That is neither a positive or a negative statement. It is just a fact, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas Speed Racer is, like, an inherently unrealistic film, it is not trying to achieve, like, some aesthetic realism. It is very much a heightened representation of the original animated cartoon. You know? That's that's it. And I think people didn't like that. And I think... Because of that, I think some people thought it was, like, a mistake. Like, no, they did it wrong. Mm-hmm. They did movie wrong, you know? Not even this movie specifically. I think some people were just turned off to the the anti-reality of this film. I, I guess, but I was thinking as I'm watching it, I'm like, the Spy Kids movies are, like, five years before this. Like, the first Spy Kids movie comes out, like, five years before this movie, right? And that's mm-hmm. a movie that, like, is similarly using digital filmmaking in a way that it's, like, just not real but it's like real in a way that like a kid's mind operates like Rodriguez mm-hmm. like tapped into that very well and those were all movies they made money and they did fairly okay critically you know yeah like people were cool there and what happened <laughs> where in those five years where people were suddenly like what is this? A children's film that operates like a children's film? Like, what What happened? And I get that there's maybe a little bit going on where this movie is, it's basically a family film, but it has nonlinear storytelling. <laughs> it's over two hours long. And a lot of it is about the stock market. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, is it over two hours long? Yes. I I swear to God, I've never realized that. Yeah, I'm, I'm doesn't, scrolling through the, the time right now, and I... Wow. Doesn't feel um, Even when I didn't like it, I never felt that. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. But I'm sorry, continue. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like Those are like three elements that don't normally come with kids' films. Mm-hmm. Where... So maybe that was... Maybe it was the self seriousness of it. I think people maybe watched this and thought in a weird way, it's like, no, this is really schmaltzy and earnest and like kind of melodrama, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people thought the Wachowskis did that on accident. Like, didn't realize they were doing that. And you just want to take it and be like, the fucking first Matrix movie ends with a kiss of true love. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's their whole MO. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, 
and well, I, I think a big part of this is like aesthetic representation too, like just how they visualize things. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm gonna keep going back to that because I really think that is like kind of the cutoff point for people's accessibility with this film because it doesn't look grounded in any capacity, nor is it trying to. And I think specifically at the time, that's when like blockbusters started getting more similar looking. We're we're coming after the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, which whatever your feelings about those films visually don't really look like other films that often. Right. And, and, things start getting a little more homogenized. It's the birth of the MCU, like, in the same yeah. month. And and even Iron Man doesn't look like a bad visual film, right? Like, it's it's lit like a real movie yeah. and stuff like that. It has contrast and depth and blacks and stuff like that in, in the colors. Um, and Speed Racer is just, like, so antithetical to what these movies look like now. Mm-hmm. Already, like, barely a decade on. Um, and I think people just weren't looking for that I think about the weird shift of this time because it's like yes it's the same year as Iron Man and Dark Knight but the the MCU thing kind of was like a slow burn up to the Avengers where people were kind of like yeah that's cute whatever and but everyone was like Dark Knight that's the future Mm -hmm. and for a few years everyone was turned into the Dark Knight and then when the Avengers take off and all that stuff one of the positive things people were saying about those movies was like that they were colorful in comparison to the drab, like, kind of Dark Knight-inspired films we were getting. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was... The MCU's thing was that they were colorful. And it's just weird and... when it's like, but Speed Racer's the same year as Iron Man. <laughs> and it's like a fucking shotgun blast to the face of color. Oh, yeah, and... yeah. Like, we were talking about it beforehand. Uh, we were kind of, like... I think we were jokingly teeing up, like, maybe a not positive response to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I will say is that it, it is a little exhausting to watch. Oh. And then by the end, I'm totally okay with it because, like, I'm on such an emotional high. But, like, there are moments in the film where I'm like, yeah, this is kind of a lot. This movie <laughs> fucking breaks you down. Like, <laughs> it is unrelenting. <laughs> and... I, I think there's some it's there's some people that just can withstand it and there's people that just can't and I think if you give yourself if you give into the movie you're just gonna like that's why just by the end of it I'm just destroyed emotionally because you just can't like you have to give into it and I, I guess what happened with I, maybe just critics saw this and were like fucking heels in the ground just adamantly refusing to give into the movie. And if you do that, you're going to come out hating it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, that's a way to approach movies. I don't necessarily agree. I go into every movie wanting to like it. So I will I will kind of allow a movie to wash over me. But uh, I don't know. Critics, I'm trying to see what other people said. And uh, wow, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just sad. <laughs> Just looking at all these people being like, fucking den of geek called it a game-changing film oh i guess that's like that's kind of depressing i guess they're the ones <laughs> i guess that's more like a reevaluation thing that's like the dust has settled and now it's safe to say uh time gave it a good review i guess some people gave it good reviews but a lot of people didn't it's just yeah. sad i just don't get it it was third in the box office. Are you shitting me? 
Ugh. That's a bummer. Yeah, to Iron Man, which is like understandable, but the other movie was What Happens in Vegas. The fucking Ashton Kutcher Cameron Diaz movie. Jesus, fuck Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Um another another bleak artifact from that era. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I don't know how you feel about A.O. Scott, but he said for the New York Times Speed Racer sets out to honor and refresh a youthful enthusiasm from the past and winds up smothering the fun and self-conscious graduosity. Mm. Well. No. I mean, I, I, just because you can write in a sentence doesn't mean you're right. Mm. I mean, maybe A-O that was just Scott. maybe that was just the feeling. I don't know. I just don't get it. I'm like, I'm at a loss. That. Uh, I mean, I, I do kind of get it. But at the same time, like, I'm I'm wondering if that's just me and my age group, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, at the time, just, like, what I was trying to convince myself I liked more than I didn't. Yeah. I guess you know, when I'm... Like, how I, I, I had to, like, perceive entertainment a certain way. I guess... But there's, 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 there's excuse any of this, yeah. though. I guess it's that thing of, like, I just... I don't understand how people think that this movie was, like, an accident. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, here here's a funny one. Um... Let me see. Make, uh, the New Yorker's Anthony Lane said the film could still end up bleached of fun uh, and also mentioned that the film felt like pop fascism. <laughs> I, I obviously don't agree, but like, Jesus. Wow. That's a statement. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Um, what fucking movie did he watch? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> oh, but he does mention that, like, he compares the themes of, like, people being controlled similar to, like, The Matrix, which is correct, uh, and the villain Royalton vows to crush speed with the unassailable might of money. Mm-hmm. But I, he, The villain of this movie literally says his god is money. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, I don't know. That feels like a, just a, a dude who's maybe a little up his own butt. But yeah, the, um, the the villain in this film is also great. I, I uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with that actor's work at well, all. The but only other movie he's... I really can think of him from is like he was on the thick of it, and he but he's also in V for Vendetta. And oh, as the as he's... the voice of Britain, the like the right wing TV guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also in Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, he's a. Uh... What's his name? Uh, Lirio Mopatis. Who just disappears from the show. <laughs> like, yeah. They didn't even bother to tie up that story. No. they. You know what? They didn't tie up a lot of that story. Yes. Um, Funny how that worked Yeah, he should have become like a great character actor after this, but he, he didn't really. Maybe he didn't want to, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... Because he's like he's kind of got a similar energy in V for Vendetta, which is a movie that was kind of like ghost directed by the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. That's a weird one. That's a movie that doesn't totally work. No, no. Um, enough... I, I'm actually not crazy about it. There are moments for sure that like just kind of kick ass. It's one but, of those movies yeah. where it's like it's very unfortunate that it got co-opted by the right wing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's and it's it's a movie like that where if, like if you bear if you miss that target even barely. That's what happens. Yeah. Um, that's that weird air where, like, the Wachowskis do that. And remember they, like, they were ghost-directed huge chunks of the Invasion, that Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake no one remembers? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was, like, a favor they did to Joel Silver. 
Yeah, that and um, Ninja Assassin. I, they did like second unit stuff or something. Yeah. I almost bought Ninja Assassin like yesterday. Okay, I, I've heard it's like fun, but doesn't come together. Yeah. That was when I remember people saying, like, I saw that in theaters and I couldn't see what was happening. I just remember that being the <laughs> Oh, no. From that movie. Oh, so it's going to be another AVPR? Yeah, so it's secretly brilliant. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, so <laughs> you're going to reclaim it for everyone? 100%. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is the fucking greatest movie ever and everyone else is a bunch of cowards. Yeah, we could kind of just end it there, but I don't want to. Yeah. So we're going to keep going. Um... Hey, I think I think one thing that maybe is exhausting is that this is one of those movies where the first twenty minutes of the movie are almost the whole movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. where it's just like everything. Uh, God damn. Well, because like every scene is really like five scenes. Yes. <laughs> happening. Well, it's all the at weird once. nonlinear storytelling, and there's just like they're not they're hiding the edits. You know, it all mm-hmm. feels like one long scene all the time. With the announcers, like, flying by in the speed lines. Yeah, well, that happens in the cartoon. It does, but they have, no one's done that in film before. <laughs> no, I know. And it's, like, revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And movies like this also do remind me that, like, oh, yeah, you can really do anything with film. And I mean more than just, like, the color. Because, like, we could talk about the color palettes and all the, the saturation and how beautiful that all looks. But I'm talking, like, the edits. Yeah. Like, not just the transitions with the people, but, like, the cross-cutting to, like, build the emotion of that. Like, that's something they'll capitalize on with, like, Cloud Atlas later, yeah. too. But here, it, it feels so much more, like, condensed and refined. And I, I love Cloud Atlas. This is not a slight against Cloud Atlas. I just think here, it's, like, the way it's so compacted into this, like, this one film. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's such a, a statement that they're making about themselves yeah. and how they feel in this industry in this world you know it, it's so moving it's just kind of fascinating the Wachowskis just can't make a film that isn't this big you know mm. like they have to like re- they have to change the world with every movie yeah and that's like it's you know they have the talent to back it up ultimately like you watch their movies and you're like well they're not phoning it in <laughs> So I I don't know how many more movies they have left in them, and yeah. I know the writer of Doctor Strange. He started on on Spill dot com. Was it yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, he had mentioned that he had like dinner with uh, Lana or Lily. I I don't remember which one, but they were saying that it it sounded like they were kind of done. The Wachowski yeah. uh were kind of done with the industry at a, like they had they had felt that they had said everything they needed to say. And this was years before Matrix 4 was announced. And so I was, I was kind of like, ah, oh, I guess that's it. That's kind of a bummer. Sense 8, and then that's that's their what they're going out on. They shut down their production studio, like, right after Sense 8. Like, mm-hmm. that was the big thing. And then Matrix 4 kind of just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I, yeah, I do think they were done, which is a real shame. Um, but uh, Lily's producing a comedy show. That I have not really? seen. Yeah. Uh, called Work in Progress. Hmm. And I have, I have no idea what that is. And Lana's doing uh, Matrix 4. So I don't know what that's about. Um, but I do think they were kind of in this weird position at this time where it's like, not only are the Wachowskis going to make huge food movies, they're going to produce huge movies. Because that's when they, cause they kind of have the one-two of Viva Vendetta, Vendetta and Ninja Assassin. And they have a ton of projects 
that were being talked about that just never happened. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. And then they, by the time Cloud Atlas comes out, they're like mortgaging their house to like make Cloud Atlas. Jesus. And yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, Hollywood is a pit. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> and if they're done, like w- as long as they're happy, cool. I just I'm gonna miss yeah yeah their movies because they're a real breath of fresh air. But I understand that for them getting anything made must be fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. And maybe Matrix Four will lead to a like a, a mini renaissance for them. That would be really cool, would, you know, if that's what they want. And like, nice. yeah, any movie getting made in life is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Getting any of these movies that they've directed yeah. made <laughs> is just like it's a dream come true. Really, well, that's what the... that's kind of what their work feels like to me. You know, mm-hmm. they feel like dreams that are made reality. And I, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but they're just so good. There's such a bittersweet quality to this one in particular because it kind of ends with speed, like showing up the evil corporations. That's like, no, it isn't just about money. It's about the racing, which the movie, like they, they straight up say that racing is art in this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not about money. It's not about that. And that art can really matter and all stuff. And then this movie comes out and just bombs. And that is sad, but, like, I think the message is still, like, clear. I think it's kind of the personal takeaway Mm -hmm. that you have to have, you know? Like, if you feel on top of the world, then, like, maybe that's all that matters. It's all that you can control, you know? I feel like they must must have fucked with their marketing for this. Because this movie, as as much as it is a kid's film, it really should have been marketed as, you're going to see some shit you've never seen before in this movie. Mm -hmm. It should have been marketed the way... Because it's fucking true. Yeah, it should have been marketed (laughs) the way the first Matrix was marketed. Where it's just like, you're not going to fucking believe this shit when you see it. And I don't know. And I, people were just like... At the time, there was such a weird backlash this time against digital filmmaking that feel like feels really misplaced at the time. Especially considering that the movie we let get away with it leads to this fucking piss era of digital filmmaking. Like... Whatever film are you referring oh, to, I don't Matthew? Know. Uh, yeah, it's only it only came out the week before this. But oh, okay. I thought you were talking. I don't know why. I thought you were talking about the Star Wars prequels. Cause... I mean, that didn't help. Like, okay, because this is the same cinematographer as Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And those What's movies, that? I mean, like, you know, I'm I'm glad we're all like whatever. Revenge. Those movies, I don't. I really don't like how those movies look. Like okay, they I really do. David Tattersall is is the name of the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. I just want to shout him out. Yeah, I just because... the, yeah. those movies, it it they're just a little too rough around the edges for me. And I think it's something about I think there's just a weird contrast between the aesthetic of Star Wars and then just the visuals you just get with digital filmmaking at that time. You know, uh, he should have he should have really just made three Star Wars movies that didn't match Star Wars iconography at all <laughs> if he was going to do the digital filmmaking thing but yeah you know i could talk forever about those effects but that's just you know first guy through the door takes most shots to the head you know like mm-hmm. he was he was working with shit that just it was still experimental at the time and but yeah it's just i don't know i i'm just I'm at a, I, I'm just depressed now. <laughs> like I was, I love this movie so much, and it's depressing that 
there was such a violent reaction to it and it, it's it seems totally unfair yeah I, I i don't i don't know what the deal is with that um i also want to note that yeah this was shot digitally and uh i don't know if it'll ever get a 4k release i think it's one of those it's like because it was shot in 1080p yeah so like tron legacy is another one that won't get that upscale and if it does it'll be like not true 4k which i i guess kind of some people are very specific about like collateral just got the upscale and that was shot digitally at 2k Mm -hmm. and then some film segments on 35 millimeter yeah. so i don't understand how any of that stuff works yeah <laughs> i'm not in post-production it's or gonna whatever. be weird the, the preservation thing that comes with digital filmmaking is going to be the weirdest hurdle that digital filmmaking has to make mm. and it's it, it's like there's only like i was talking about the graphics and video game stuff like at a certain point you're just gonna max it out yeah you know <laughs> or you're gonna create something new mm-hmm. um and you can't do that with all old media it's just not how the passage of time works, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I could, I could drink out of this glass of, uh, that I'm drinking my coffee out of right now. I can't change the glass. It's gonna be a, a glass container. It's gonna retain that shape forever. Mm-hmm. I can clean it, but I can't change it. Yeah. So that makes yeah, that, sense. That will be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so. It, it was either that or the fucking food analogy. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I'm sorry. I wasn't really paying attention because something was going wrong with my computer. But uh, oh, okay, is your computer fine? Now? I think it's fine. Uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so good. It's fine. It's good fine. point, Diego. Thank you. I'm super smart. <laughs> <laughs> you might hear a weird clicking. I don't know why it's happening, but uh-huh. uh, I can't seem to get it to stop. But it doesn't seem to be affecting anything. <laughs> Okay, I don't I don't hear any clicking. Okay, so that's good. All right, sorry about that, everyone. No, that's sorry right. about how upscaling technology and all my fucking technology around me is just failing. Do we want to break down the movie? It's a lot. I know it's a lot. I... We would honestly be here like three hours if we did it, yeah, which is like not abnormal for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't be strange. But maybe we'll do like a commentary for this one one day. I feel like this would be a good movie to do a commentary for. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. And then we'll have to go back to the Star Wars ones after that yeah. or something. But, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll leave that in. I, I think I think that's okay to say, right? Yeah. Like, we, we, we've talked about going back to doing more Star Wars commentary. Hey, cause... you want to hear the Rise of Skywalker commentary that will never be released to the public? Join the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that one. The other ones, I think the only one I have, like, behind the paywall still, and I, I will release it publicly soon for Suicide Squad, is... Birds of Prey, mm. and that one's much more positive. Yes. The only one I'm never taking away from that, I apologize, I, I think all of our stuff will be free eventually, um, is is the Rise of Skywalker Yeah, we got one. very... It's, it's just too mean, we I'm sorry. so mean by the end of it. And... That is my honest-to-God vow to anyone still listening. <laughs> Everything on this podcast at some point will be available to the public. Except that. Except for that one. <laughs> That that's, was the funniest, though. You Honestly, join the Patreon, guys, because it's funny. Where we start out, like, I'm like, yeah, we're a little more positive on this movie than other people. And then by the end, we're, like, threatening people. Like <laughs> That was just, like, disheartening. Yeah, it was a real bummer. It was a real mm. bummer. I didn't expect... I'm trying to, like, salvage it. I'm like, no, 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 I think I can make this work. When so. you're just left with the visuals of that movie, it's a disaster. Like... <laughs> 
it's and like people talk about the dialogue being bad in that and it's like dude the dialogue saved it like <laughs> <laughs> they fly now yeah they fly now other than that one that one like it hurts just to think about you know what really hurts honestly the the that no one talks about the hmm. awful never underestimate a droid callback line do you remember that one I don't. Because they, they only had, like, 30 seconds of Carrie Fisher footage, right? And one of them was a, a deleted scene from The Force Awakens where she says to someone, never underestimate a droid. And they they re-edited it, so she's saying it to Ray, even though it doesn't make any fucking sense for her to no, say. That one has a weird problem uh, because they use that footage, and she's, like, responding... To things that don't feel like actual responses and that's so unfortunate yeah. like i know people were like oh they, they can sit salvage her for the last film and like i i think it would have been more respectful to just mm-hmm. write her off between the films and honor her yeah with a funeral in in we've, the film we've litigated that but then but, like later in the film i think bb8 does something stupid <laughs> mm. and saves the day it's during the same chase as they fly now. And then Ray goes, never underestimate a droid. And it just hurts. It like it, It's like a gut punch, that fucking movie. <laughs> Unlike Speed Racer, which Speed Racer visually is, good, is maybe the best film. It's a good gut punch. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is definitely getting hit in the face. Y- but... You know what? Like... Like, some people refer to, like, blockbusters. Like, sometimes it feels like going to a concert, you know, and, like, the cheering and the wooing and, like, you're a little tired after, but you're glad about it. Yeah. Speed Racer, I think, is, like, the pinnacle of that for me. Yes, I, I would Because I, I, I am... It is a little bit exhausting, but, like, I'm happy about it. Yeah. I feel like I've gone through, like, an experience watching the film. Yeah. It's, it just is a lot. Sometimes that energy <laughs> can be really good. It's, uh... Not great in other films. No. Uh... Like fucking no, no, we're not gonna. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. We, from we don't episode. even need to say names at this point, Diego. Yeah, it's like, like you know, you they know. Everyone listening to this knows. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's maybe one asshole out there still trying to say that those things are good, but and it's my it's <laughs> um, myself. You, you know the, the uh, uh, <laughs> another movie that actually not nearly as much as Speed Racer, but does kind of have like a lot of energy all the time that you brought up recently and just our regular conversations and i i love it as well uh streets of fire yes it's a very high energy film also produced by joel silver yeah uh insane how much that guy produced throughout his life that is like kind of cinematic canon at this point point. Mm-hmm. and at the time was considered like garbage mm-hmm. just, just yeah. pure garbage and it's like no no the guy was garbage but the <laughs> movies were good <laughs> yeah so, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe this is a shorter episode. I wanted to come into this like really like guns blazed and being like, fuck yeah, Speed Racer. And then I just ended up depressing myself because <laughs> I just, there's not, there aren't that many other movies like Speed Racer. And I don't think there's any movie like Speed Racer. There's two other movies I consider like Speed Racer. Uh, Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> And Altman's Popeye. Okay. Oh, you know what? Scott Pilgrim also. But uh, 
the dialogue is is so radically yeah but the, different. The, i think aesthetically uh S- scott pilgrim is similar but i think at at their hearts dick tracy and popeye are closer mm. i think popeye definitely gets closer to the heart of what something like speed racer is trying to do <laughs> And Nick Tracy kind of isn't about anything, which is a problem, but oh. it is about its production design, <laughs> which is like amazing. Yeah. We got to do Dick Tracy on here too. Oh, fuck yeah! That'll be next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This will be a seasonal series, I guess. Yeah. It'll be fun. Though. I think it's a fun idea. Yeah. We'll start making our lists for we'll each pick five. Yeah, that'll that'll work <laughs> next time too. I will say. Uh, uh, the dialogue for Royalton is uh, pretty hysterical. <laughs> if, and dude's just like killing yeah, it. Well, like the first like half, the first time you meet him when he's trying to be like the earnest businessman, where he's like, "No, I understand. I want the mom and pop flavor of racer motors." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I like. There's a great moment that just like defines his whole character, where he's like, where she gives him pancakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have to buy your recipe. And he's like, I'll give you the recipe. He's like, nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way this guy can think about things. Mm-hmm. Is through money. He's like, I will show my affection by buying it. <laughs> and that's like really, that is the dark side of like creating and being in the film industry is just buying something because you love it, but then you destroy it. <laughs> like that Yeah, is... I mean, it's... It's the end result of capitalism. That's, the, that's IP in a nutshell, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, even though I'm sure people are exhausted of me complaining about it, that's going to happen sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Like, with just all these properties that are happening right now in How the world. How is Space Jam doing? Uh, also, massive drop-off second okay. weekend. So, Hope. again, like, I mean, the world is just in such a radically different place. We, we can't predict the future. No one knows what the fuck's gonna happen with anything at this point, but I do think Space Jam is like this decade. We're gonna see a lot of the fall off of um, the, these big IP buyouts and stuff like that. Space Jam lives in like the opposite universe of Speed Racer, and it's just like like this is like pure earnestness. The new Space Jam is like pure evil, <laughs> like mm. and cyn- it's that movie. This is earnestness distilled. That movie is cynicism distilled, like. But hey, hey, LeBron is an LA hero, so I can't. I, I'm I'm all for slandering Space Jam uh, sequel. I will never watch Diego. But I do have to go to bat for LeBron. Diego, why do you feel the need to be a collaborator? <laughs> why Why do you feel the need to just defend people that have done something horrible? <laughs> what is wrong with I, you? <laughs> Everyone does it once in a while, and I I can't think of a single what, what, thing he's done wrong. I feel like we're we're just we're a few episodes away from you being like, look, OJ was funny in the Naked Gun films. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just I don't understand how you can stand by and let just evil escape. It's just you know, I stand for values. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> LeBron donates a lot of his money yeah, to yeah, like hey. charities and like education foundations. Hey, good, good, good for LeBron. He, he, that he he did Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> that cancels out you everything. He's I'm done. not saying it cancels out, but you have to take both things. Okay. Was, okay. Fine. I mean, we 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 have a show about Spielberg. <laughs> Guess who's yeah. Done some amazing things and some fucking 
fucked up awful things. <laughs> and is also a multi-billionaire. Yeah. You can't be like, fuck billionaires, but also Spielberg is totally cool and fine. <laughs> no. No, we can't. We absolutely cannot. Unlike Emil Hirsch, who has no problems in his life whatsoever. Yeah, hey, that's a little sad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, got th- Don't Google that. We gotta talk about perfect casting, though. Like He's very good in this. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really good. Christina Ricci, I think, is also super underrated as Trixie. Yeah, she's great, too. And I mean, the whole cast is, like, perfect. Except yeah. Matthew Fox, who I always find boring. But I like Matt. I, I here's the thing. I first discovered Matthew Fox because I saw Lost yeah. from like day one. He deserves a lot of credit for making Lost so uninteresting <laughs> single handedly. No. no. <laughs> By being one of the most boring wooden actors on the planet. No, he's he's solid. He's a reliable actor. He's good when he's playing a horrible asshole. I don't know. I, I think he, he's solid here. I think he's pretty good. Sure. Wasn't Keanu he, He's the be weak erased? link of the cast that's rounded out by Susan Sarandon and fucking John Goodman. Yeah, fucking John Goodman is perfect. I, I just want to I, I give Amelia Hirsch some credit. He has, like, just this constant, like, adult boy energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's perfect. At, and, like, he, in, to a point where it's so sad that he kind of has some issues. Mm-hmm. Because, like, in... He f- just his one line delivery at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fucking breaks my heart every time I watch it. Where he just yeah. goes, "What the hell happened?" Like that. Like though his delivery is it just fucking gets me every time. And here it's you know it's it's not an accident that the movie works because of him. You know, he's mm-hmm. used perfectly as just a kid. He's he's an adult, but he's also a child at heart. And it really hurts when he gets called a chump by Royalton. Yeah. Like, you really feel for Speed in this, yeah. which is like, you know, it's not it's not something I really thought about when I was watching the cartoon as a kid. You know, I was like, oh, just a cartoon. I like it. The, the colors and the, the moving and the, all that jazz. But, like, with this film, like, as time's gone on, like, I really feel for for him playing the character and, like, his, his struggles. Like, he doesn't win. Yeah. In the film until the very end, he gets the which is shit like you know, it's, it's the underdog him. story. It's not like a brilliantly written film. It might be like uh, like we talked about last time with Titan AE. Like you know, the script's probably not like that outstanding, but because it's an animated film, there's like interesting stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Speed Racer could have been like a very generic film if yeah. it wasn't the Wachowskis <laughs> taking the lead on it. Here's the thing: this movie has a very similar setup to the movie Good Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's Good Burger, which is, like, the whole and pure, you know, burger stand. And then there's, like, Mondo Burger, the evil corporation. And I believe they all dress in purple at Mondo Burger, too. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. Um, oh, purple's royalty. Yeah, I think pur- I know purple, like, means royalty, but did the people making Good Burger know that? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You never know. You never know. Maybe there's a secret auteur working behind the scenes at Good Burger. But, you know, like I'm saying, like, this is a movie. There there are tons of kids' films that are about, like, the mom-and-pop group going up against the evil business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Tortoise and the Hare, for fuck's sake, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one of the most instilled children's stories ever. And maybe that kind of made people think, like, oh, it is, it's generic kids' film. 
Because on paper, it, it definitely is. But fucking watching it, it is anything but. Like I said, Royalton, we've seen the switch of, of a character like Royalton being your friend and then turning on it being like, no, I'm actually an evil businessman. But it is genuinely upsetting when he's like, not only am I going to be an evil businessman, I'm going to kill everything you believe in, Speed Racer. <laughs> hmm. And I'm going to just be like, that thing you bonded with over your father, this beautiful memory that you shared with me, another human being. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how it's all bullshit and that you're a fucking rube for thinking there was anything to that. <laughs> mm. Like, that's very hurtful. <laughs> well, it's even darker than when uh, fucking uh, Richard Roundtree shows up as Ben Burns. Oh yeah, Richard oh, fucking Shaft himself yeah. is in this, and I'm I'm very glad he doesn't say anything in this about like a car's shaft or something. You feel it feels like they could have so worked that stupid reference in like that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Richard Roundtree is just like a reliable actor. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad um he he doesn't get relegated to that often. But he gets one of the like subtly darkest moments in kid film history, <laughs> mm-hmm. where he meets Speed, and you know it's like. Good racing. And and Speed just goes like, hey, did you know you were going to win that race after Rota? And he doesn't say it, but he just goes, you know, everyone thought we didn't like each other. <laughs> and then just <laughs> leaves. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this movie, it, it, it gets to something, you know? It, it does. And, like, just that one interaction with Speed, it establishes, like, a connection between those characters that isn't like picked up on later in the film except from uh the ben burns commentator like just cheering him on at the end yeah where it's like yeah like maybe he was speed at one point maybe he was idealistic and then and then he was destroyed not. by it you know and yeah he, like, gave in he, he realized like for whatever reason you know people that like give into that aren't necessarily evil people like royalton you know mm-hmm. you, you come to that crossroads in life and it's if you think it's an easy choice, it really isn't. It's like, do I want to stick to my integrity? Or do I want to have enough money that when my family gets sick or is in trouble, that I can pay for that without worrying? Like, that's what I always think about, you know? Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be great to have enough money that when someone I love gets sick, I'll be able to take care of them? And that's a very real crossroads. And it's not necessarily evil to go, I'm going to take the money this time. <laughs> but the system around it that leads to things like that is is what's evil. <laughs> and Royalton just exemplifies that. Mm-hmm. I do like the weird little windows we get into Royalton's life through his, like, talking. <laughs> when he's, like, when he's still trying to be the nice guy, when he was, like, it's like, you know, even though I'm a huge conglomerate now, I still remember working on a Commodore 64 in my foster parents' basement. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this dude <laughs> went through some shit. <laughs> like, this monster was made, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't born, he was made. And then, like, it, there's, a, there's also a little bit of, like, the... Uh... You know, and then once I finally had enough money from that job, I quit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's the other well, point. I was like, well, I quit whatever the company was, like Globocon. Or is Globocon his? No, he's royalty. No, 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 Glo- that's the one. That's the one, Globocon, yeah. He's like, and then I quit my job at Globocon and picked myself up from my bootstraps. 
Yeah, and it's like, well, <laughs> not really a bootstrap situation, guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, the bootstrap metaphor doesn't... It, it's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think people forget that. Yeah. But it's just... It was an insult. Yes. But it's so, like... <laughs> it's just... It's funny where it's like, wow, you kind of forget how good the Wachowskis are at writing sometimes. Because mm-hmm. they do Yeah, have... like, I was referring to it as, like, maybe, like, not the best written thing ever like it it definitely gets the job done mm-hmm. you know yeah they're just also the most visually inventive people working today arguably mm-hmm. like i can't think of, of directors i'd consider more like with visual acumen yes than them. <laughs> like james cameron's like the other competitor mm-hmm. and even this the other guy revolutionizing the industry with every release this feels like if i had like, if I could fucking change the universe in some way, and I'd probably regret it. I want this Speed Racer, maybe it comes out one year later, and it is one of the first big 3D films that comes out. Like, maybe that would have made this movie a hit. To be like, you just maybe, gotta yeah. see this shit in 3D. And, but but also I'm talking about that people came out of this movie saying they felt physically ill <laughs> watching it. <laughs> I got I gotta see this in theaters again someday. Yeah. And, I mean I mentioned yeah, great. I mentioned on the Scott Pilgrim thing that like, you know, just a few years ago we passed the tenth anniversary of Speed Racer and there was like no fanfare. There was nothing. And it should have gotten a re release the way Scott Pilgrim did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's stopping that. Also, Speed Racer mysteriously not on HBO Max despite being released by Warner Brothers. Whoa, yeah, really? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. There's a lot of oh, weird I know shit some... missing from HBO Max. Yeah, some stuff, because of contracts, they have to keep loaning out yeah. on occasion. Mm-hmm. That's why the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff's about to leave. We're recording in July. Some behind-the-scenes stuff, I guess, for you listeners. Um, it's going to leave in, like, five days or whatever. And the Harry Potter stuff is going to come back, like, next year, even though it's a Warner Brothers production. Yeah, but how do they... They own Harry Potter. Like, how do you, like, lose it? What is that about? It's um, the streaming licenses. Yeah, but... They've been in place for a while, and so whoever loaned stuff out prior, like, that's going to keep going on back and forth for, like, some of this decade. And then at some point, it's going to fizzle out. Okay, so it's like... And everything will be like kept by whoever licensed and distributed it in America or okay. wherever, right? Okay. And then I'm I'm very curious about what that means for stuff like Netflix and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why Netflix is their original content libraries maybe aren't the strongest. Well, well Net- Amazon's trying to buy MGM right now, right? Yeah. So that'll be their in. Even though MGM doesn't have a great catalog when you really look at it. Well, they had James Bond, James and I think Bond. people think that's enough. And I think they bought United Artists, which has a lot of interesting films under it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's a fucking Thief. Yeah. They're going to have Thief. Which is like one of the last United Artists movies. Yeah. <laughs> Before fucking Michael Cimino came rolling into town. <laughs> mm. Talk about a failed blockbuster. I don't know what the fuck. I, I, just, I just don't believe anything that's happening currently is sustainable. So I agree. I'm just living like that. <laughs> I think that's what all of our, our shows do at a certain point. We're just like, yeah, this isn't going to like last very long. Yeah, but then it does. All of this. We've been saying it for years now. So, I don't know. I, I've only recently turned 
to that. I, I, I was optimistic about things getting, like, reaching a steady groove almost, right? Yeah. Now, like, the last year or two, I, I've been like, oh, this is going to end bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I still think I'm right, and I think this year is the beginning of that. But Speed Racer does not end poorly. It has maybe the greatest ending in motion picture. Well, we history. can't get to the ending just yet. Because we got to talk about, uh, I feel like just, if we're going to talk about like one race, because we could kind of talk about all the races, but they're, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's just too much. There's uh, three races, but they're a lot, I mean, like you said. Yeah. But I there's... think we have to talk about Casa Cristo. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the, the big like centerpiece race of the movie. Because... That is one of the most bug nuts sequences I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is the race starting, and then while the race is happening, we're seeing how Royalton Industry paid off all the different drivers. Mm-hmm. And then we get car foo. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We're getting, like, they're trying to do with car racing and action what they did with martial arts in The Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's insane. <laughs> And the tracks uh, don't make sense, and it's like shifting sands. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't understand, it's... and it's fine because it's not real, yeah. you know. Uh, but I do remember one of the points that turned me off to the movie originally when I first saw it was the um, the 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 rims becoming like combative. Oh, yeah, like they they start getting like a sword battle or whatever. Yeah, and I was like. What is this? And now I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah! That is probably the moment where they push it the most. That's probably like a little like um, it, it is a little much. Because it gets, you know, but I was I, now I do love it the other night. And I don't, I'm not dissing this film, but I was rewatching uh, the Mummy movie, the '90s Mummy film, which mm-hmm. I really like. But that's a movie where there's a huge problem in it, which is that none of the rules make any sense. And the mummy can kind of just go wherever the movie needs him to be. Well, they're kind of making it up as they go yeah, along. Yeah, and it becomes very apparent. And it can it it doesn't ruin that movie. That movie's a ton of fun, but it does deflate it a little bit for me. Whereas yeah, this movie, that, I mean, that is like an iconic film for the '90s yeah. kids. Um, yeah, but it this movie rides that line perfectly, where it never goes too far. Where mm-hmm. it's never like, oh, speed can just do impossible things, even while he's doing impossible things yeah i mean that's one of the things that surprisingly doesn't break the movie for me you know we're always talking about like okay here's how the story progresses in the film can you imagine this story existing not just in our world but like in their world like do the rules work and i think the the thing that instantly saves the film from me even having to think about that for a second time is the flashback to how speed perceives the world as a kid yeah when he meets like Trixie and stuff in the classroom and he's like, he imagines himself driving in the car and the audience cheering him on. And then you see everyone's perception of him doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, no questions. Let's go. Hey, can we talk about for a second? They drop a hard R in that opening. <laughs> totally. I forgot that last time I watched it. Oh, I don't remember that. The girl calls him. The, the, uh, oh, yeah. And then Trixie punches yeah. him. So it's like, yeah. you know, that's clearly a bad thing. The movie's not endorsing it, but I, that's something you would not hear in a movie today. Especially mm-hmm. one for kids. Yeah, yeah. Because the woke well, mafia has gotten out of control. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But, like, um, 
who's who's the, the little brother again? Um, Spritel. Spritel, yeah. He he flips off. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Royalton, and then the monkey throws poop on the one dude's face. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then Speed in the finale goes, get that weak shit off my track. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, this movie has, like, outbursts of, like, hey, that's... Hmm. That was the old little... PG attitude, though. Like, if you watch, yeah, like, especially yeah. 80s and 90s, there's a lot of movies where, like, the first Ninja Turtles movies has them saying, like, damn and shit a few times. Mm-hmm. Which is, like... Wolfman's Whoa. got nards. Yeah. A little bit of cursing. Although, isn't... Is Monster Squad PG-13... Oh, I don't know. I just assumed it was PG because the 80s fucked everyone up. I think Monster Squad might be PG-13 because it's just so fucking... Because there's so much virgin talk in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? It came after Gremlins 2. It's PG-13. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, or Gremlins. Yeah. The first Gremlins, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Gremlins 2. That was the 90s one. Another masterpiece. Yes. Another failed blockbuster. <laughs> Unfortunately. Everyone's fucking wrong about the movie mm. still. Well, not everyone. Film Twitter do, knows what's we up. We could do that for failed blockers, but we might have to just do Joe Dante, because that dude has a really interesting career. He does, but then it kind of trails off at the end. Yeah, but I'm a bad. defender of, like, one of his weird, like, last films. All right. All uh, right. Whatever one was, like, I think it's called, like, The Hole or something like that. That That's the last one he did, yeah, right? I, yeah, I saw that on demand, and I, like, really liked it. So, okay. Again, that was, like, ten years ago, so <laughs> who knows mm-hmm. how I feel now, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, uh, just... The whole uh, fucking sequence in the middle here is just crazy. And it's it's not done in a way that I think maybe could have been frustrating for critics where there's another version of this movie where we see all those people getting paid off before the race, right? Yeah. And then there's you, you derive tension from that. That's like technically the right way to do it. <laughs> but there's something that feels more appropriate here to introduce the driver have a flashback to them getting paid off and then have them fight speed racer like all in one moment yeah and how it's like visualized i think is one of the benefits of digital photography and like cgi you know it's like you can't do this practically you, you i guess you can if you use like rear projection and stuff like or that you're fucking uh francis Ford coppola in the 90s just going insane <laughs> yeah sure right um like fucking fw murnau does this with a uh, sunrise mm-hmm. like when they're talking about like going to the city and then like they project the city onto the clouds we're in front of where they're talking right like stuff like that you can do it but you can't do it to this extent where it's like literally insane <laughs> and it does kind of feel like you're losing your mind but in a fun way yeah, a you fun know way. like it's I, i'm glad i'm losing myself to the film in the middle here I was like, <laughs> "Did I lose you?" No, I was just, I was, I just read a line from the uh, wiki, and it made me smile. Oh, where it okay. just says, "Speed enters the Grand Prix with the help of Inspector Detector." <laughs> in parentheses. Oh yeah, it's... and it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a that's terrific. That's a name. Um, and then in between the races at Casa Cristo, uh, we get the the greatest moment in cinema history. Which is John Goodman fighting ninjas. Yes! <laughs> Goodman gets into a ninja fight. Well, he, he beats up the one in the in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, the, more like ninjas, more like, terrible, <laughs> passes for a ninja these well, days. Well, they do the great, he grabs him, puts him in the headlock, and then they do the zoom in on the finger where he was a sumo wrestler. 
And then they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then just, just beats the shit out of the guy. Puts him on the dinner cart and throws him out the window. It's great. But then there's also the fight later. Yeah, but that's the whole family that gets into the fight there. Which is very cute. But Jacoby, like sweet. takes like two dudes at once and like flips them through the air. Yeah, he uh, he fucking rock bottoms them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. <laughs> that's, yeah. Like, if you hate this film after that... Hmm. Why are you watching movies? Why does Good- You don't need cinema. Why is Goodman so fucking good? It's in his name, that's I why. Yes, but it's just like there's never been a movie with John Goodman in it where I'm like John Goodman's phoning it in. <laughs> I think he's just he's he's just got that presence, I guess. I don't know cuz like I, now I'm looking through his stuff and I'm like yeah, they're, they're bad movies he's oh, in, but he's never bad in them. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, again, to bring up Community, which I've been bringing up more just because I didn't realize how much of pop culture that had seeped into. <laughs> John, when John Goodman has an arc in that third season, my biggest problem with that season is that he just kind of fizzles out at the end. Yeah, there's just not enough John Goodman. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, fine, the story works, but it's like, you got John fucking Goodman, you can go bigger! Go bigger! It doesn't go nearly as big as you want them to. But just his um, delivery of, isn't that right, Black Hitler? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just perfect. And no context. It's just, if you've seen Community, if you haven't, go check it out because of that alone. <laughs> but uh, I think this is, I, I, I think this movie kind of crosses over with it and uh, Community a little bit. Like, Community was part of, Goodman had kind of come out and been like, I've been an alcoholic for years. And he was getting over it at the time he was doing speed racer and then kind of going like i'm gonna go to television for a little bit to kind of you know relax and that's kind of where community comes from but i i think he was one of these things where like he kind of credits community and speed racer with helping him beat alcoholism oh my god yeah and it's so sad you read interviews with these people and they're like so excited to do another one like everyone clearly enjoyed making this movie, and like even Emilio Hirsch, like is occasionally on Twitter being like, "I would do a second one if they asked me." Mm. And it's like, oh no, like it's just yeah. maybe it's be- maybe it's good that it's just this one beautiful film, <laughs> but it's <sighs> Susan Sarandon though I mean, goes you... on to become like a regular in the Wachowskis' next few films. Yeah, like. She's in uh, Cloud Atlas, at least. Um, the one thing I would say about that sequel idea, because I'm all for if the Wachowskis and everyone were like back, right? And they're like, let's fucking do it. This movie's so good, I, I don't even know what you do yeah. for another one. That's that's my one concern. You know, Every once in a while you watch a movie that's so good and you hear it's going to get a sequel and you're like, what do you even do? <laughs> like... You know, like, it's a little bit of the Aquaman problem I have. Yeah. Aquaman is not as good as Speed Racer. Um, I want to make that clear. But, like, it's so much movie. Like, what do you even do next? That, that, can, that can present an interesting challenge, you know? No, it totally could. And if anything, that's more exciting. Yeah. But just, like, as a fan, like, that is my one... Thing. Well, that's the thing where it's like when a movie like that happens where it's like, because we just don't get fucking complete stories anymore, mm-hmm. which is just so frustrating that when you do get a movie that actually has an arc in it, and then they're like, all right, a sequel's coming. It's that weird place where the sequel is either going to be something 
really creative and inventive or it's just going to be like Aquaman you have to fight Ocean Master's brother <laughs> and then it's just the same. isn't that also my brother then yeah <laughs> and then it's like shut the fuck up and then they just fight again and it's just the same movie again mm-hmm. it's like oh Royalton's brother is here and he's taking over the company and you gotta face him again speed racer <laughs> and mm-hmm. Like, which I, I don't see the Wachowskis doing something like that. Yeah, no, we just talked about how every time they release a movie, they're, like, reinventing the format. So I'm sure they could have mm-hmm. done something with it. They're, they're very talented. That My fear is not in regards to the Wachowski sisters' talent. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. It's just, I, I couldn't even fathom approaching it, I guess, is my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. like. But if anything, that's not a problem like i do wish more sequels um i guess if we're playing in complete fantasy lands did kind of almost work as their own individual stories you know like that's why i really love the indiana jones films for the most part like it's a series of films but it's not like a continuous saga it's just like here's another adventure that's it's fully formed on its own terms like that's pretty cool that's what star wars kind of fucked up like God bless Star Wars, but that instills like the saga mentality, which is wrong because those all those movies are complete stories. For the most part, I mean, I'm not even talking about like the sequel trilogy. Like, oh, I'm talking about the original Star Wars. That's the only ones. I'm okay, talking okay, about. okay. I'm not talking about. I mean, the prequels are definitely like those movies don't work until you see all three of them. <laughs> like. I I w- would argue against that. I I think and you would and you would be wrong. Disparagement aside, and you would be wrong. But no. those are movies that don't make sense until you see the whole picture of it. I, I except think for maybe they, they Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Stands Phantom Menace on its... definitely works yeah. by itself. But the Revenge of the Sith, I'd argue, is the one that doesn't and doesn't like it. It, it not working by itself is fine because mm. it's. You know, that, that's a film that's very much a culmination of Lucas's interests in the saga. Diego, um, fuck you. <laughs> it, what? It is. It's just annoyed. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Hey, I don't think, I, I don't know how I'd feel about the Wachowskis getting integrated into the franchise machine thing. In a perfect world... The MCU would have been this weird, like, blank check factory where Mm -hmm. they just get directors, they go like, here's the character, here's the budget, you just kind of have to barely tie it into the shared universe, but you can tell whatever story you want and just go do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would have been, like, if that had been how the MCU worked, I would have liked to have seen the Wachowskis, like, pop in and do one movie, you know? I would like everyone to do one movie. And -hmm. then it could be, like, this weird collage of different just styles and characters and writing. Yeah, that that, that would have been the dream. But uh, it didn't, it wasn't that at all. No. (laughs) Um, No, it was not. It just sanded off everyone's edges and got people that probably deserve a big paycheck money. Um, I like that some people kind of get to do things that they want now that they've worked mm-hmm. um, with the MCU. More should get that, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't. I just. I can't see with the Wachowskis. I guess. I. I think it makes sense they left Hollywood right when that machine kind of became the dominant force because they just don't really work with it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they went off, they did their own thing with Sensei, and then I guess decided to kind of go back to it anyways, mm-hmm. once they once they had something that excited them. Yeah, well, Lana came back, which was probably a story there. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't, uh, didn't the writer of Cloud Atlas, the book, isn't he writing the fourth Matrix, too? Yeah, he co-wrote it. That's crazy. With her. I know. What that's why I'm like, oh, what the fuck is that movie gonna be? No idea, like, and that's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, Christina Ricci's coming back. Uh, is gonna be in it. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's good. That cast is insane. I, although I am like, but why isn't Lawrence Fishburne in it? Well, I, I'm guessing it's gonna be set like in a future timeline, and like Neo and Trinity makes sense because they're in the Matrix. Uh, that's like the vague, you know. Like no, time mm-hmm. doesn't really exist in the Matrix. And, like, fucking Neo, like, becomes the universe at the end of that movie, so... Yeah. Like, so, again, like, what what do you even do? Yeah. Although Naomi's back, so I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, I... Whoa. So maybe... I didn't know that. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne died off screen. Oh. Morpheus went back to his home planet. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and uh, they said... What's his name? They talked about... Uh, What's his name was gonna be in it at one point and then couldn't do it because of scheduling conflicts. Neil Patrick Harris. No, Hugo Weaving. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I thought he wasn't invited back either. No, no. It says here uh, he was. Hugo Weaving was originally approached, but he had scheduling conflicts with Tony Kushner's uh, theatrical adaptation of uh, a play called The Visit. No. Yeah. And so, oh, that's a bummer. Hey, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what this movie is. I honestly don't think you need Agent Smith for another one of these. I don't either. But like, like if you're gonna bring everyone back, except for him and Lawrence Fishburne, I, I that does bum me out. It, a it is, bit. It's a little bit of a bummer. But like, I don't. It, this movie could be anything. So I'm not going like, well, you gotta have, like, as long as someone. I will be a little annoyed if uh, oh the Merovingian is back. All right. Oh, there's a there's a different agent. Okay. Um. Fine. Sure. Hugo, how old is Hugo Weaving though? He can't really be getting into fights in those movies. No, no. He he's like sixty something, yeah. I think. And I it, I mean it's clear that like they still like him because he's in Cloud Atlas. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's I'm just it's I'm fascinated because I just I can't imagine what that movie's gonna be. It's weird. I'm in a similar boat to where I was with Force Awakens, where like I couldn't really picture what another Star Wars movie would be. And Force Awakens isn't perfect, but it's interesting, mm-hmm. and it's more interesting than just like just exclusively being about Luke Skywalker and his children or something. Yeah, which is like the fan version of that. Yeah, um, which is what fucking killed the expanded universe like immediately, mm-hmm. just because. You, you can't have those characters uh-huh. do that story again. Yeah. I mean, they, they never found something to, to kind of trail off from. Yeah. It just became like, isn't it great how much we love Star Wars? And, you know, that's kind of the, the roadblock that they hit with the films now. Yeah. And, I, I'm, you know, that's, that's too bad. They've kind of Let's fucked themselves where, after. like, they can only really make another entry when people are getting nostalgic for Rey, you know? Like, mm-hmm. which we're not at that point yet. <laughs> No, no, absolutely so, not. 
whatever the distance was between the prequels and the sequel trilogy is when Star Wars will be able to come back. Not saying it should, but mm. hey, the Wachowskis Force Awakens. Now that would be fucking unbelievable. Hey now. Although they did Jupiter Ascending the same year. Yeah. So. If I if I knew the Wachowskis, if I was working on any big budget film, I would just talk to them for like a minute. Like, just be like, hey, can I get your take? I'd talk to them for as long as I fucking could. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm being polite. I don't want to monopolize their time. But... Oh, no, no. I mean, yeah, okay. Of course, I'd, but... I'd be like, hey, got any input on this? <laughs> and then whatever they say, I'm sure they would have some good ideas. <laughs> this is what really excites me. And we should wrap up on Speed Racer soon, but... As opposed to other productions, no second unit was needed during the action sequences, as Wachowski directed all the scenes herself. Mm-hmm. Finally. Wow. All right. Finally. It's just like, I just can't imagine what this fucking thing is going to look like. I don't know. It says December 22nd still, so. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, okay. I was a little confused for a second. I was reading it and it was like confirming who was going to be in it. And then it said Joe Pantoliano. And I was like, wait, he's back? And then no, it said, no, no, he expressed interest in returning. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, you're dead, Cypher. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, hey. No. God, what the fuck is that movie going to be? What's he building in there? So I always think I always think that Tom Waits song, "What's He Building in There," whenever <laughs> I'm hyped for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a song about a guy being way too obsessed with whatever his neighbor's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely how I feel about that movie, yeah. quite frankly. Hopefully, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah. But we shall see. Uh, Matt, would you say Speed Racer is the greatest film ever made, or one of the greatest films ever one made? One of the greatest. Go watch it. You, you peasants <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's about right uh it's go it's very good uh if you don't like it um we'll never understand each other as human beings i could see someone needing to like acclimate to it like i did yeah just because i i went through that same experience but it is kind of like sensory overload at a point and only if you're weak. <laughs> no, I mean, because, like, we, I, again, I've talked about a film like Aquaman kind of being, like, sensory overload at times, yeah. and that's why I love it so much. Um, and I, I just don't think we get that many movies like that now. And this isn't this isn't me, like, being uh, uh, melancholy about that. Like, if we were getting more movies like even Aquaman, I would still refer to Speed Racer as sensory <laughs> overload. That's how much it is. And I think I could understand someone needing to get used to that because it is a lot to throw at someone so take your time with it but there's a very special film out there waiting for you when you do yes there you go matt thank you for joining me thank you for uh not making us break this down scene by scene because quite frankly that would be incredibly difficult i tried writing my notes that way and just gave up at a certain point like it was just too much Mm-hmm. it's just there's so much in this movie I, like I said I think a commentary in the future would be kind of fun um, I agree I, I think we will have to do that because uh, that would be super exciting to, to prep for Matrix 4 that way too yes it'd be fun so to also talk see. about the Matrix films 
We'll have to, I think, because uh, and Dune. How do you not talk about those? And this... yeah, we may be the only movie podcast that has a movie podcast and never talked about the Matrix before hey, in full. Hey, what are you gonna do? Everyone's got fucking strong opinions on those movies. Um, Everyone loves the sequels now, so yeah. Just kidding. That's not true. I've seen your tweets. What did I? You see? Cowards. Oh, I thought you were talking about mine. I was like, I haven't. No, no, no. I've seen people be sequels. like, people are trying to reclaim the Matrix sequels, and it's like, yeah, because we were all wrong about. Yeah, them. it's not like idiots trying to reclaim the village. No, it's... Matt. Where can people find your <laughs> fucking stupid opinions? <laughs> you know they filmed the village like an hour away from where I live. See, so you should be blessed. No. <laughs> You should be thankful. What a, what a fucking disaster um, the state of Pennsylvania is. No. Yeah. Remember M. Night Shyamalan shows up in a reflection of a, of a thing in this village? Oh my god. Where can the people find you? Remember that big wall? <laughs> See, the movie's pro-wall. No, wow no 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 <laughs> i'm just fucking i'm just fucking around, just fucking around. <laughs> it is white flight the movie but it's not pro wall oh my god um i'm at emperodian1 at twitter.com and i'm also on twitch occasionally i hate you i will not you could also find i will i just can't let it i'm sorry diego that one you can't, I can't like i just cannot fucking mr avpr himself yeah because that's the, a good the movie. village is too far i defend good movies Oh my god. I'm not... I'm just... I know... I do like that movie more than I ever have, but I... I there are limits, mm -hmm. Matthew. You fucking on the last one were like, yeah, people have turned around on fucking... Uh, whatever. Resurrection. And... They yeah, had. There are people out I, there. I, I told you. <laughs> Letterboxd is not people. It, it, it is a bunch of dorks. <laughs> bunch of dorks <laughs> <laughs> well you could find me at the there's Diego nothing Crespo. more damning than letterboxd agreeing with you <laughs> check out the rest of the waffle press on twitter youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon where you can get early access to other retrospectives like this uh, uh maybe some more gringoisms where matt and i just just shit talk before we we start officially recording yeah we have a little sneak peek into lately, the though. No, not really. There was like a little bit today, but not not really. It was just like you explaining the Dark Tower to me. <laughs> yeah, again. And me being like, okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to read those. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.